When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey. Hey. What'd you think? About what? Did, did you get my text? Oh. Salinger. I'm Pat Oswald. And welcome to Did You Get My Text? Did you? I, I got so many texts from you this week. We have too many texts. It's been non-stop. It is non-stop. Yeah. Um, it's pouring rain in Los Angeles. Yeah, it's pouring rain, which uh, if you live in Los Angeles, uh, means the apocalypse. Everyone uh, reacts like they're druids seeing their first eclipse. Uh, I they, pulled out the red rain boots. Yeah, she's basically... Um, Right now, if I could, if I could describe it, uh, Meredith looks like after this podcast, she's going to go dance in the cage at the Whiskey A Go Go. She <laughs> has a total Go Go dancer look, but also uh, for weird uh, raincoat fetishists who like their uh, Go Go girls dressed for the weather. I wanted a layered. Real, I wanted one of those real yellow raincoats from the seventies, mm-hmm. but you can't literally get them anywhere. I Why looked not? Because I scoured the internet for a re- for a yellow raincoat. Classic yellow raincoat. Just those classic with a hood. The movie It made a ton of money. Didn't that bring the yellow raincoat back? You'd think. But anyway, I did find a yellow raincoat, but it's it's just like a thin sheet of plastic. Oh, that's a, So you're basically wearing a tarp. I am. Yeah. Um, that's a bummer. The funny thing about wearing a thin piece of plastic as a mm-hmm. raincoat is today, for the very first time in the history of the episodes of Did You Get My Text mm-hmm. podcast, mm-hmm. We have very special guests. Yes. Very, very special. One of which is a fashionista and has changed my life immeasurably. <laughs> and um, and she is here today. Yes. And she is with her super amazing, talented, gorgeous, handsome father. Fascinating, fascinating dad. And so I think we should perhaps introduce them since they're sitting across from us. That is true. Why, why make them sit here while we yammer about it? I mean, they're just lives? looking at us like, you guys, shut up already. The rain summoned them out of the ground. We thank you, oh beneficent rain god. Hey, everyone listening to the podcast, we have the super talented Robert Carradine and his adorable, amazing daughter who happens to also be my best friend, Ever Carradine. Welcome to the podcast! Yay! Yay! Yay. Wow. The reason I Calm brought down, up... down, Robert. Wow. <laughs> We're not allowed. <laughs> oh, I wonder if that gave any of our listeners a little clue. You might remember Robert from Revenge of the Nerds playing <laughs> playing the main nerd. Oh, my God. I have a story to tell you about that. Oh, boy. Uh, first of all, let me just say one thing. 
uh, ever. The reason I even brought up the plastic raincoat uh-huh. is because I thought you'd be like, oh, she's wearing a sheet of plastic. She's well, the I one. I could hear you coming from the hallway. Like, <laughs> yeah. It did, yeah. <laughs> ever literally. You do rustle. She stops me before I go anywhere where I have to look good and is like, Meredith, we need to fix everything. Oh, wow. And she has changed my life and saved my life. And, and she's my best friend in the whole wide world. And mm-hmm. all of you listening have heard me talk about her on every single episode. Well, a lot of your adventures involve her. Well, yeah, because both past and present. Correct. So, what, yeah. what's the explanation for the red boots? Oh no, I just I figured she'd like my red rain boots, but I knew she wouldn't like the crinkly yellow thing, and I was trying ah. to get a real yellow thing, and she probably knows where to get it. One, I am. I'm already like in my head. I'm like, <laughs> I have to send Meredith a link to the. Pro- and oh. she is currently wearing rain boots as well. Mm-hmm. I'm visual. We got here after Ever and Robert, and I visualize Ever sitting in the studio, hearing your rustling yellow tarp, and just just wrinkling her nose and oh dear god <laughs> it's like corduroy pants like you know how corduroy except she knows that I'm going to not be dressed she 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 already presumes that I'll be walking in with you know old navy and target in a mismatched combo yeah yeah but she loves Good me it's anyway. a podcast <laughs> <laughs> exactly um Robert we're so happy you're here and we're not gonna call you Robert we're gonna call you Bobby because we well, love you I am so glad I'm here too I'm a huge fan of both of you oh I mean come on Natty Gan give me a break that's yeah. right heck yeah that's right huge, huge I am movie. look I'm gonna try to uh, as, as most of our listeners know I am a uh, die hard uh, deep film buff and I tend to go down some rabbit holes and I reviewed your fascinating career. You you seem to um, follow the same philosophy that I do, which is I'm in this business for the money and the anecdotes. You have had the most <laughs> random, wild, all over the place, which is what you want to have. And your father, John Carradine, is the uh, is the live is the embodiment of. I'm going to have the most random, fascinating life, and at the end, other people can sort it and out. And also, I'm yeah. going to have the, the range most range ran- of people he got to... Yeah, he's oh. more yeah. like, I'm going to have the most random, fascinating children. There's like 97 Carradines. Yeah. They're all talented. They there might all be have one children. in your family. Go check. Do a genealogy. There's a chance. I did 23 and me. I am one-tenth Carradine. So there's a lot of it, there's a lot of it out there. Um, Patton but- is a huge, huge film buff, and he his favorite thing is making me watch movies that I've never seen before that he's like, you have to see that. Casablanca, you haven't seen that. Right. And he showed me Mean Streets. And I lost oh. my marbles when I saw you, Bobby, in Mean Streets. You were so young and so adorable and so great. And I just was like, he's in Mean Streets, oh my God. Well, there's, a, there's a story about that because... Uh, you and your brother are in the movie. Yeah, I wind up killing him in the movie. <gasps> yep. You shoot him at a urinal. Spoiler alert. Yes, he's in the urinal. And yeah. Then, uh, yeah, that is a spoiler alert. <laughs> it's okay. It? They yeah. had time to yeah, watch it. People have seen it. Anyway, uh, I didn't want to cut my hair for one day's work. So Martin Scorsese said, well, just turn your collar up, and we'll put the hair behind the collar. So all day long, he's asking every crew guy that he sees, hey, does this hair look okay to you? Is this hair okay? Hey, how's this hair look to you? And finally, we get to the scene where it's over the shoulder onto David, over my shoulder onto David. And... Mm-hmm. Um, he finally he does the take and he says, "Okay, I can't I can't take it I can't take it anymore. Just pull your hair out and then kill him." <gasps> well, in film school, students always ask him, "What was the significance of Robert Carradine pulling his hair out before he killed David?" <laughs> you know, was that like a ritualistic thing? Ooh, it's just well, him okay. being uptight. Well, earlier in the bar, David 
Carradine clearly is a, um, I, I assume he's like a Vietnam vet. He's an army guy who's having some kind of nervous breakdown. He smashes the table, grabs that girl. So were you, was that a, was that a, did you think your character was a planned hitman that killed him or it was a guy was just mouthing off at a bar and then you just were like, I'm just going to go no, pop this dude. What? David was the town drunk and oh. he would come into the bar and I guess they tolerated him because he spent a lot of money. Uh-huh. And I wanted to make a name for myself with the bad guys. So I decided... Oh, you were trying to get in. I'm, I'm going to take him out, and then they'll let me into the into the family. Oh, so you're like, you're like trying to get in with like David Proval's character, like the low-level mobsters. Yes. I will show them. Yes, yeah. that, that I can do it. Oh, wow. Well, that's that's how a lot of these... Um, if, you, if you listen to the Iceman tapes, it's like... You know, oh, you want to be in? Just go randomly kill that guy. Let's see if you can do it. Like, in other words, let's see if you can do it without losing your nerve. Right. And that was what your character, oh, wow. Yeah. Bobby, that how old creepier. were you when you started acting? 16. You were 16. Well, I have another question about well, that, actually. Because then you did, a mo- what, you did a movie. What was the movie where ever you were in a movie that he was in? And I you was were- in The Long Riders. And how old were you? What? Yes, I'm in the wedding scene in The Long Riders. Was I like four? What year was The Long Riders? You were, uh, you were five. I was so cute. You got I, you to were work so... with Walter Hill? Of course I did. God damn it. <laughs> I, I'm so... <laughs> pictures of Ever from that movie. She's the cutest. We'll put it on our Instagram, a yeah. picture from the movie. I'm sure she's like a little frontier she girl, right? She was so also damn cute. My, then my, uh, the horse that my Uncle David rode in The Long Riders became my horse, Zetan. And he what? lived... He in our backyard, in, in our backyard, in our house on Mulholland, and if you oh. if you drove down Mulholland in the eighties, you definitely saw me riding a horse to go horseback riding Hang in Grand Canyon. Was that your first film? Uh, no. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah. The Right Stuff was my second film. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, wasn't Dennis Quaid your dad in that or something? Yes. Like that? Yeah, Dennis was like, "Do you want to do a movie with me?" Dennis was a dear, dear family because, friend. Because those brothers were in The Long Riders. Yeah. Yeah. So hang on. So in your first film, you befriended an animal that you acted with? Uh, well, I the horse? did Dave just steal the horse? How did he <laughs> David got that horse off of a film called Mr. Horn, mm-hmm. which was a TV movie version of the Steve McQueen movie. Oh, yeah, Tom, Tom Horn. Horn, yeah. And he fell in love with the horse. Aww. But the horse was chestnut, and all their horses in the film are black, so they dyed the horse. <gasps> oh, no! Did they really? For the fil- no, no, it washed out. Yeah. I had oh, a chestnut okay. horse. They painted right. him, yeah. They painted him. Yeah. So you and Ever both befriended your animal co-stars in your first films. Yeah, in Natty Gan, I befriended my little wolf. I loved him so much. And Jed. he, too, had to be painted. He did. Um, every now and then, they'd paint his face to look either, ang- like, a little bit more angry or a little bit... Mm-hmm. They just gave oh, him a little... They like just, his little eyes? Like his little eyebrows. They, like, did little things with his with makeup with the horse. They don't but, do I mean, that anymore. Dog. That's very... That's um, a cultural appropriation. <laughs> that, that cost a real angry dog a job. So yes. now they make sure to give fierce animals actual jobs instead of painting them. The funny thing about me befriending Ever is that prior to me meeting Ever, when we, I was 28 years old when I met Ever, we were cast to play best friends on a... TV show called Chicks. Yeah, which was basically like Friends, but without the boys. It was Sex and the City on network. Yeah, it was, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So in other words, nothing anyone wants to watch. Hang on, so there's no actual sex? Okay, great. Um, No, but it was, honey, Carol Leifer wrote it. No, I know, I love Carol Leifer. The whole crew from Seinfeld, because Seinfeld had just ended, so we did this pilot. Anyway, we were cast to play Best Friends, and we were very, tell us about what. Well, leading up to it, my publicist was friends with Meredith, and he was like, oh my God, you guys are going to, Meredith, you and Ever are going to be best friends. And he said the same thing to me. He was like, Ever, you and Meredith are going to be best friends. And then we met, and we were like, eh. No, 
we weren't. No, 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 no. We weren't like meh. We were just being very professional working on the show because it was such a serious. Like we were starring in a huge I, network I thing. I know, but also I think meh. Screw you. Then, no, I don't. But then we kept running into each other. Literally, like I couldn't get from here to there without running into Meredith. And then we fell in love. And then we. Fell, <laughs> well, I saw her on the street, and she's walking around with a piece of paper. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm going to Kinko's to get my birthday invitation made. And I was like, I have a printer. And it was one of those printers that had the little dots on the side. like Dot matrix. And so I like printed up her, I like typed up her thing for her. And yes, we became best friends. But the funny thing about it is prior to me meeting ever, another member of the Carradine clan is Martha Plimpton, who is Keith's daughter. And she and I have known each other since we were 14 years old. And she also ended up Introducing us, Patton, and she also right. married us. And she she was our us. chaplain, or whatever it's called. Yeah. Wait, and wait, then, wait, wait, hold it, stop right you there. You didn't know that she's a chaplain. No, well, she no, got no. Like ordained by the Universal Church. Went, on, went online and got ordained. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people can go to the Universal Church. I'm and doing it. I'm doing <laughs> it. Do it. Do you get to wear the collar? She wore the whole. She got a whole thing. She, she could, looked great. She, she could have amazing. worn the collar. She got it all. She wore a suit, right? She did wear a suit. But anyway, so I was friends with her when I was 14. And then when I was 23, I did a movie called Village of the Damned with um, John Carpenter. Mm -hmm. And his assistant was one of your best friends. Karen Karen Costa was Robert's best friend. And... And then I worked with Mike Bowen, your brother, half-brother. Yes. On a movie called... um, the. I was going to say The Quick and the Dead. It's called The Work and the Glory. Um, <laughs> anyway. There's something the and the and something the else. Yeah. Whatever, something and the something. Uh, the clerk and the whore. What was that? Smokey <laughs> and the bandit. <laughs> anyway, and then we became best friends. And then um, now we're all family, and we just had Thanksgiving together, and it was amazing. And I did Robert, I was missed you, Pat Pat. We that missed you. Sucked. I was desperately hoping Bobby would sit across from my mom, because I would love for them to flirt with each other. Oh, <laughs> but uh, she's probably too old. Are for you. you pimping out your own mother to Robert, a movie star? He's just so cute, <laughs> and I think my mom is flirty like me. And I don't know. I thought she could have been flirty, flirty, but you don't have to say anything. She was a little flirty. <laughs> what? <she? laughs> you get a couple of white wines in her. Yeah. So, um, so you, yeah, your first. Okay, I'm going to go down a, a slight rabbit hole here. I'm, I'm won't so go excited. Too bad, all right, your first acting job, not your first movie. First acting job was on an episode of Bonanza. You were 17 years old. This is incorrect. Ooh. My first acting job. Does does theater count? No. Okay. <laughs> My first acting not, job. Hey, not to IMDb. No, I got it. I got it. My right. first acting job was The Cowboys. Well, that, no, that was Wayne. your first movie. That was my first acting job. Oh, really? So you did Bonanza after, but Bonanza yes. came out before The Cowboys. No, it didn't come out before. It, well, it's it, listed before. So, so Robert, you're well, wrong. They Sir, have, you're they, wrong. They have messed up, okay? <laughs> the filmography is messed up. Okay, but you're, okay. Well, your Bonanza episode, whatever. Yes, yes, yes. Which I guess came after the Cowboys, but uh, then, you know, hey, someone go edit IMDb. But uh, you were directed by Leo Penn, uh, <gasps> who was? is, uh, yes, he directed that episode. That's Sean Penn's that dad? That is Sean and Michael Penn and wow. Chris Penn's dad. And Michael Penn sang our first dance at our wedding with sang his wife, Amy Mann. Amy Mann. They so sang we're all that. pens now. It's all pens. Totally. And also, you were directed by the man who invented the Vulcan death pinch because Leo Penn would direct a lot of episodes of Star Trek, and there was an episode where they were four pages behind, and there was a huge fight scene, and apparently he and Leonard Nemo went, 
what if you just have some alien thing where you pinch a dude and he drops? That'll save us all this. And that's where the Vulcan death pinch that's came. That's amazing. It came from, we need to shoot four pages. How do we do this? Oh, man, that is so. such a great story. <laughs> and that is Patton's rabbit hole. Ah. Okay, so you want to go down the movie hole? Yes. Okay, uh, on The Godfather, yeah. they, were, they were 10 minutes too long, and Paramount was going to yank out 10 minutes if Francis didn't fix it. And uh, the editor stayed up all night and cut all of those hits together, uh, intercut with the uh, with the uh, baptizing. So, oh, that's why it's the montage that it yes. is. Yes. Oh, my God. And that's Francis, one of the best sequences in film. I know. Well, that's how it happened. To save 10 minutes. Yes. Sometimes Holy those things, crap. sometimes the best stuff comes from, from that. Yeah, that like, the, the sun is setting. Of the, they don't care. Of that movie. That's the vote. But now, but your first movie, you're in one of the few movies where you're in a John Wayne movie, and you're in one of the few movies where he dies. Yes. Bruce Dern beats him to death in the movie. Shoots him in the back. Oh, Have shoots him in the back. Have you seen this movie, yeah. Meredith? What movie is the it? The Cowboys. Cowboys. I oh, haven't. It's so great. It's incredible. You got to see it. It's I genuinely see it. incredible. Malice will movie. love it too. Yeah. Because it's all kids. But, like, was that weird for you? Were you there? You're there for the sequence where he gets shot, right? Yeah. yeah. So you're like, I just watch, this is my entry into films. I just watched John Wayne get well, killed. Well, he was, you know, he and I had a couple of run ins on that movie. <gasps> Ooh, Whoa, do tell, tell me, tell me, tell me. Okay, so the first run in was uh, we'd been on the location about a week, and it's the first sequence that we're in with the Duke where we have dialogue and everything. Do you call yeah. him the Duke or do you call him John no, or Mr. Wayne? Mr. Wayne. You don't call Damn. him. No, you do not no. call him Duke. No. Wow. No, Unless no, you've no. gone drinking on his yacht, you don't <laughs> call him Duke. No, you don't. So yeah. anyhow, there's a bucking horse, and uh, each one of the kids gets a turn on the horse, and he says, "If you stay on that horse for say the count of eight, I'll consider you come higher in time." So each one of the kids gets a turn on the horse, and uh, A. Martinez rides into the corral after like the seventh kid. And just jumps on the horse and breaks the horse. He runs him forward, runs him back, spins him around. And he rides it up to the next kid and goes, here, boy, maybe you can ride him now. And the kid jumps off the fence and gets in a fight with A. Martinez. So I jump off the fence <gasps> to defend the kid from A. Martinez. Duke Wayne comes over, breaks us up, and says, you. He's looking right at me. He says, you, get back up on that fence where you belong. Now, I said, excuse me, Mr. Wayne. Um... I don't think you should tell me to get on the fence where I belong because I'm the head kid. Maybe you should just tell me to get on the fence. Damn. It was dead quiet for like 30 (laughs) seconds in front of a 150-man crew. Yeah. And then he lit into me. Oh, wow. And he lit into me so deep I, I, I cried. Oh, little Bobby. That's adorable. But. Duke. And heartbreaking. So anyhow, to get back to the Bruce D- Bruce Dern scene, it's like, die, you son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah, do kill him. <laughs> oh, my gosh. There are so many stories in this crazy Carradine family, and we will take a break, and we'll be right back to hear more. With the famous Robert Carradine and the gorgeous and talented Ever Carradine, who is sitting across from me right now, and the two of us are looking at each other, watching Patton and Bobby nerd out on all the nerdy <laughs> movies they've done. But I have to say, I want to just say one thing about being nerdy and something that happened with Ever. Do you want to throw in a laugh, Dad? Or Do a laugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ever and I. 
uh, were having a chat ages ago. I did a movie, and I was telling you like who was cast in the movie, and I was like, I just met in a in a read the guy who's playing my movie. I, sorry, the guy who's playing my husband in this movie, and I'm like, she's like, what's he like? I'm like, he's such a nerd, and she's like, really? I'm like, ever? He's such a nerd. He's like the dude from Revenge of the Nerds, and you go, that's my dad. <laughs> <laughs> but ever, and then you went, I met Anthony Edwards. <laughs> <laughs> I met Curtis Armstrong. Yes, <laughs> thank you. But your dad is such a nerd in that movie, but he's so damn cute in real life. Like, you play nerdy, but you're so hot. What's Not the only deal? are you hot in real life, you are in a music video by the Motels suddenly last summer oh, where you're the hot dude in the romance novel fantasy section of the video. I, I'm the Fabio of yes. that video. You're the Fabio on the beach, man. Yeah, man. Guess what? Also, he's in a music video of currently. What? There's oh. an amazing new song oh, yes. that oh just came out. For uh, It's a Christmas song, but it's called Merry January. And the singer-songwriter who wrote it and performs it is none other than the famous Kobe Brown, who happens so to good. have done the music for our podcast and who also happens to be married to the lovely and talented ever. Oh, my God. Tell us it's it all is... so related. It's I know, weird. It's just all is this like... like pure incest? And also, oh, by no. the way, he did another music video. Oh, Kobe... my God. That's the title of this episode, by the way. Pure, pure incest. incest. Yeah. Fantastic. Kobe, your husband. Yes. Uh, also did another song called Cannonball. And we were all four of us in the music video. And Patton was the star of it. Yeah. Playing a guy the who gets shot cannonball. out of a cannonball. He was the cannonball. He was yeah. the cannonball. Human cannonball. Yeah. Ever tell when us. When are we going to be in a video? Like, we're always extras yeah, in the background. Yeah, we're extras. My dad's Santa. Patton's cannonball guy. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like craft service. <laughs> um, Ever happens to be on the show currently called The Handmaid's Tale. Um, and she plays... The command. Tell me what you play. The I play uh, Naomi Putnam, uh, one of the commanders. Yeah, wives. you're like the evil. I'm really not you are very nice. Very highly wound. There's a great. There's a moment in season one where you you seem to have a lot of fun presenting yourself as this very pious, nice woman until one of the handmaids asked to help with the baby, and you. The, it, it's it's like the scene in Lord of the Rings when Ian Holmes suddenly turns into that <laughs> weird golem thing. It's so frightening where you just, I, leave me alone, I can do it. It's so awful, oh isn't it? Oh my God, but it's I have an amazing say, like, sequence. They put my hair in that bun and I zip that dress on and it and just it. Ready. wound and up. I am just so curious how you felt starting The Handmaid's Tale while Trump. Oh, yeah had just become pre like what well, were you well we season one was all leading up to the election so like I was streaming the debates the Hillary oh Trump debates oh while God. we were doing that whole birth scene while Madeline Brewer is having my potential baby I'm like sitting on my iPhone streaming the debates in the turquoise dress with the handmaids giving over babies and then the craziest was episode nine was uh, the episode season one episode nine um, Janine, my handmaid, is going to jump off a bridge, and she's holding a baby. And that was a giant scene. It's a big show. But she's holding your... She's your, holding my little baby. Yeah. And so, well, the baby I stole from her. Right. And we <laughs> we shot it, you know, one direction one day, and then the next direction the other day. And the first direction was the last day of Obama's presidency. <gasps> and the no. next day back, the reverse, was the first day of Trump. And over the weekend, we all marched with Canadians and... and did Margaret Atwood? How schizophrenic did that feel? It was feel? really insane. 
it was insane. And every year, I think we say, we can it just not be relevant this year? And then every year, something happens. Yep. And every, then I'm like, what do you know? Who? What's going to happen next year? Like, what stock should I buy? Like, I feel like they know things. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, who did you make a deal with? Watching The Handmaid's Tale, it was so scary because it was like, oh, my God, this is happening. This could happen. And everybody was like, The Handmaid's Tale, this is happening. This is happening. And it was just so terrifying. And... Yeah. Well, the scary thing I, is they don't do anything on that show that doesn't happen in some country somewhere. So I remember ever I thought of you when Texas passed that crazy, um, still current abortion law that, in, that included uh, a codicil where people can turn people in, either a doctor or a person who they think is having an abortion, for a $10,000 bounty. Yeah, and they all turn I, them into bounty hunters. And all I could think of was the, the Handmaid's Tale writer and like, do we have to include fetal bounty hunters in this? <laughs> How do we write this in, guys? You know, and I just like oh picture God. you at craft service, like if they write in fetal bounty hunters, I am calling my agent and getting the hell off this show. Like, there's just no way. Fetal bounty hunters could also be the name of this podcast. That'd be a great name. Yeah, you know what? That's the name of a band. Oh, Is totally. It? Well, oh, you're like late seventies, no early eighties, yeah, yeah, yeah. post punk. We're fetal bounty hunters. Can you handle it? Yes, we can. Just play some tunes. We don't care. I feel like we need to write. Um, a present day movie with you two. You did it when you were little. I think you need to do it again. Well, okay, that's another question I have for you, Ever and Robert. You clearly grew up around in this acting family. You yes. were, you, and you saw people that it was about you work, you take work, you work all the time and you do stuff. And I remember right when The Handmaid's Tale began, you were doing double duty on Handmaid's Tale and The Runaways. Yes. You were working oh, yeah. non, there was no, Runaways there was no light was a, between the. No, run, literally I rapped because Handmaid, you know, you've been on a Marvel show. Yeah. It's all at night. Everything yep. bad happens at night. So you're always <laughs> shooting nights. And as my dad likes to say, the good thing about shooting nights is the sun will always come up. <laughs> oh, it's the best part. But it's I'm getting light out. It's getting yeah. light up. Gotta go. Gotta go. Gotta go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I rapped at night. I rapped Runaways at night. And I went straight to LAX to go do Handmaids. But it's like, what, you can't complain about that? No. Streaming. But, but you got to experience the way, like, Hollywood was when Robert was starting off of, you rap something and the studio already had your next script. Like, Monday, you're going here and you're this person. Okay, and well, then actually, off you it, go. It's her, grand, it's her grandfather. Actually, no, yeah, that's the yeah, grandfather. Yeah. He would actually shoot two or three movies a week. Yeah. Jesus. Her is... grandfather is in more than 400 films. I'm not kidding. 400 films. It's ridiculous, it's but that, insane. but so, that that idea of like you just you work. That's why you're doing this. Yes, take work. So, 100%. Bobby, were you on the set when your dad was doing stuff? Like, did the, you? The only set I remember going on was the Patsy with Jerry Lewis. Oh my God! And Peter Lorre was on the. On oh my the set. gosh! And we got to meet Peter Lorre and. Uh, really? <laughs> what was he like? Hello, Robert. Hello, Robert. You're Hello, such a Keith. nice young man. And so, and then my dad says to me, Robert, we're going to have to put a mustache on you if you don't back up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, that's the, okay, so here's my next question. I looked at your filmography and your dad's filmography. I'm so jealous of you, Robert, because after you made The Cowboys, you got to work in, in my opinion, the best chunk of Hollywood history, early 70s up until the 80s, and you got to range all over the goddamn place Yes, with every cool director. You've worked with Floyd Mutrux, yes. or Mutro, 
in Aloha Mutrix. Bobby and Sue. Mutrix? Mutrix. In Aloha Bobby and Sue. Scorsese. Rose. Aloha Bobby and Rose. Oh, Aloha Bobby and Rose. Jesus, Patton, get your shit together. Shut up. <laughs> Scorsese, you got to work with Sam Fuller. Not only Fuller. did you work with Sam Fuller, you played basically Sam Fuller in, in the, the Big movie. Red one. Yes. With Mark Hamill. And, uh, and it's Marvin. like. A, and Lee Mar fucking Lee Marvin, you were in the Saving Private Ryan of your day, basically. Yeah, and I I am sure that Stephen watched that movie before oh, before he made Saving absolutely. Private Ryan. Oh yeah, there's there's shot to the beginning when you guys are storming the beach. Yeah, that he clearly yeah, and the amount of blood. I mean, well, the the beach sequence is so visceral and bloody. That, well, here's and, and, the thing, and Sam, and, what was? Because Sam Fuller was a nut, right? Did, did well, no, he was. Spirited. <laughs> he used to call action by firing a gun into the air. Yes, he did. Could you imagine if he did that today? <laughs> okay, so. Oh my God. You know that film and that bullet comes had, had been edited uh, at the last second by the studio. Oh, they God. They yanked out like 40 minutes of film and it was just gutted. They brought me in to do a narration so the film would make sense so you could follow the story. Well, in 2004, Richard Schickel, the time critic, and Brian, uh, Brian Jameson. Yeah. Ryan Jameson from Warner Brothers Home Video Department got together and did a reconstruction of the movie. So tell everybody you know to see the reconstruction because now the movie is, in my opinion, a masterpiece. Is it available? Yes. The reconstruction is available? Did we see yes. that? Did we go to the DGA? Is that yes. what we saw? See, oh, no. I, when you went to the DGA, yeah. that was uh, just the regular release. I just remember being on that set, and we were in Israel mm -hmm. yeah. on the beach. yeah. And remember the water was in the, this is before like water bottles, so it was baggies of water, <laughs> and you bite the end and squeeze it into your mouth. What, yes. what kind of caveman shit is that? Well, because that's how they used to have these little uh, bags of juice, and they knew that we needed water, because it's like 120 in the shade. Oh my God. So they're going around all day long throwing these bags of water out to everybody, because you had to hydrate or you're going to drop. Wow. Wait, I know he's nerding out about all your movies, um, but also, dude, you're a race car driver and also a musician. So what the hell? How? How? That's amazing. Well, thank you. I mean, he that's so cool. He has interests. I know, but race cars, dude. Well, did, did race car driving and musicianship, did that come out of a movie that you did or was that always an abiding thing before? The, yeah, way before movies. I was racing go-karts when I was 10. I've been playing guitar since I was 10. Wow. So it was... The movie bit came when I was 17. I'd already won some championships as a go-kart racer. Damn. And uh, I'd so already cool. recorded on a record by the time I was 18. Which one? John Andrew Parks. That's okay. the name of the musician Wait, and the name of the record. is it true you wrote a song forever? I did. Tell, what was that? It's called Everdawn, and I <gasps> wrote it for a, uh, a movie called Wavelength. How am I just hearing about Everdawn? <laughs> you don't know that? <laughs> Ever, I remember Wavelength. Ever's that middle name is Don. Patton? Wavelength? Wavelength. That is... Um, that's a weird one. That's one of those weird 80s, like, kind of horror science fiction-y kind of things. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 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 I'm sure I either saw it or I, I'm aware. I know the the era of which it came out. Okay. Well, yeah. that, the thing I like about that movie is I got to actually play the guitar on camera. Nice. And people could see me playing the guitar whilst hearing it. <laughs> So I really, really enjoyed that. I love that you wrote a song forever called Everdon. Ever's middle name is Don, as is mine. Jesus, the incest it's doesn't wait, stop. Wait, 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 what? Weird. Your middle name is Don? Yes. yes. <laughs> That's I know. too weird. Isn't that weird? I look, I just love that us and all of our listeners were here to uh, 
hear ever find this information out for the first time for, in their life. Where is this song that we can listen to? I mean, can we ever find the song? Do we have to watch Wavelength? We have to watch yeah, watch Wavelength. It's yeah. from the best-selling soundtrack album of the movie Wavelength. <laughs> yes. Wait, and ever, yes. what's interesting is you married a musician. I did. So you grew up with all this music in your life, and then you found your husband, and um, music is like, a huge part of your life. Yeah, and you, uh, you, we, that we don't play enough. You need to play more. I guess COVID. You need to come over and play the guitar well, more. You know what I find about professional musicians, honey, is that they don't like to play guitar unless they're getting paid. I know. <laughs> and or there's like that weird sniffing each other out phase where like you bring your guitar the first time. No, I yeah. mean, I just, the I second would, time maybe I, you I take it out of the case. I would love to play guitar with Kobe. He's what also not, he's more of a singer. He's he's not. So a why don't great... you play the guitar? Kobe sings and ever can do her unrhythmic dancing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I play saxophone. It'll be oh, jam. That's, that's oh right. He's a yeah. sax player. You, you can't come over and sit on the stairs and go, I gave my love a cherry. <laughs> no. It's true that ever plays saxophone because for my 40th birthday, all I wanted oh was my all my musician friends to write a song for me <laughs> and ever play saxophone on the song and but all I could play was God Bless America. Yeah, so that's what, yeah. So how did they work that into the song? I don't know. Does, she did a so good job, So the tune, though. God Bless America, no. is worked into the song it's for... It's not. Oh. But I feel it's just like a maybe... F- a, fa- a phrase <laughs> or two. One phrase. Season yeah. five is Handmaids. I feel like Naomi Putnam should maybe pull, pull out, out her sax, sax to play should, a little yeah. God Bless America. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That would be hilarious. Start a light jazz combo. Is there no way we can turn The Handmaid's Tale into some sort of funny cartoon? Um. <laughs> oh my god and literally do it like Hanna-Barbera style you know like those cute oh little characters god. and for some reason there's like a there's like a talking fetus and that's the Scooby-Doo oh of the show god. he's kind of running are, around you are, are really damaged yeah. so Patton mm. did you have you perused the list of directors I have not only have I perused the list of directors that you have worked with but I've perused the directors that your father worked with which in my opinion is the craziest gamut from literally the world's greatest directors to directors that are so bad, they are also revered now because they're so insanely bad. Your dad got to work with John Ford, Martin Scorsese, Woody Allen, Elia Kazan, and also Coleman Francis, Ted V. McKells. Jack um, Smite. Jack Smite, uh, uh, Jack Bodine. Like, there's no... And and also there's just years of just in between, but that is that whole... The range of experience that your dad got to encounter must yeah, have been no, amazing. Yeah. Must have been amazing. And to him, it was just, it's all a job. All right, I'm working with this Scorsese guy. I don't know who he is. Next week, I'll be out in the desert with Ted V. McKells. I, working. <laughs> just the, I just love that. That's the way to do a career. Well, you know, he gave me some advice about working with directors. Which what? is? Let's hear it. Son. <laughs> Hang on. Get, son? <laughs> when you get a direction, nod your head and say, yes, okay, great idea. And then do it the way you just did it. <laughs> yeah. yep. Oh, Patton said that the other day about writing. He's um, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm currently in a huge rewrite with a guy, and we're um, getting some really. Um, we're getting the kind of notes from the studio that you can tell it's someone just going, "I've got to justify my job," and they're just giving us these Ugh. crazy notes. And I read this. Uh, there's a memoir that just came out from Mel Brooks, all about me, and he talked about when he was working on Blazing Saddles, and they were showing early cuts of it, and the studio's like. The farting scene. You're you're taking that out, right? That's disgusting. He's like, apps. Are you kidding? It's it's horrible. You're right. It's that's gone. It's gone. Like he would just <laughs> agree right to their face, and then he he'd go. 
10 minutes after they walked away from me, they'd forgotten they ever talked to me. They're just, they just need to be seen doing their job. Right. They don't care. No, and then you not. just leave the stuff in you want. Yeah. Yeah, leave it in anyway. Do it the way you want to anyway. Yeah. Or you take a note, and the, act, the director gives you a note, and you're like, I, I, I thought I did. I'll try it again. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm so dumb. I'm yeah. so sorry. I can't. I'll try again. And then you do it again, and they're like, exactly, but you did the same thing. They just think you, yeah. Yeah. And then, <laughs> wait, Ever and, and Bobby are laughing because they don't witness what goes every time Patton has to clear his throat. Yep. I have to always stop and say, did you get that, Kyle? There's a whole, I'm sure you know this, there's a whole... YouTube clip of everyone in Quentin Tarantino's movies. His editor was this woman, Susie something, I'm forgetting her last name. But every time they would mess up, they'll look at the camera and go, hi, Susie, because they know that she's got a, and oh, there's amazing. a whole montage of them going, That Hello. is funny. Yeah, they all knew. So, That's a good one, I like yeah. that. Um, but now, you've also got to work with Hal Ashby, yep. one of the best directors Ever. I got uh, a story about that. Let's hear oh, that. oh Wait, go what did you do with Hal Ashby? Coming home. Coming oh, home. coming home. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah, that messes up a young girl. Yes, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so anyway. Uh... Wait, wait, why does that mess? I don't know uh, the movie. You'll watch it. Okay. That Between that and Orca, I was like, oh my God. Oh my God, God Orca. I He's love Orca. that movie. Yeah, John Anderson. When he bit off the girl's leg with the cast. Yeah, and he uh, ate Bo me. Derek. And he ate my dad. Yeah. I, oh, I spoiler alert. Oh, it, yeah. <laughs> remember I'm home alone on whatever night watching television and I click through and Orca comes on and I was like oh there's my dad <laughs> hanging off the side of a boat and then Orca comes and eats my dad oh my and God. jumps in the water and I was like what is that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell us the, the, the oh the, the Hal Ashby yeah. story yeah uh it's the scene where I can't play my guitar oh. and it's oh, with Jane no. Fonda so and John Voight and Penelope. Dear God, you've worked Milford. with literally every most important person. Okay, well, anyway, on. I'm. I know this scene is coming, and I'm nervous as all get out because of those people I just named. How old are you? And oh God, 22, 23. Yeah. So finally, they call me to the set, and I get to the set, and Hal Ashby's sitting there, and he's kind of checking everything out, and he looks at me, and he sees that I'm completely, you know, during the headlights. And he goes, so what do you think was happening right before this moment in time? And John Voight says, well, I think I was smoking a joint. And no longer, no sooner was the tea of joint out of his mouth, and the prop man is there with a joint for John Voight. Ah, <sighs> oh, the 70s. So they fired it up, and him and Hal burned through this joint. <gasps> and they're just fun. talking about this, that, and the other thing. And Hal kind of looks around and goes... You know, I think we're losing the light. It's like 4 o'clock. <laughs> we're not losing the light. Right. We're losing the light. Let's come back tomorrow. And I knew that was my reprieve. Oh, wow. And the next day we did the scene, and the scene is very poignant. Yeah. Wait, it's so an incredible he knew, scene. He knew you weren't going to get there that day, and so he, that he, was yeah, his well, way Well, he just of... knew that I was really freaked out. He could oh, see it in my eyes. Love that. He's so He was so sensitive. And another story briefly God. about that show was... Uh, our producer, Jerry Hellman, um, was contacted by the studio, and they said, listen, uh, Jerry, we're seeing scenes that aren't in the script, and we thought we'd just uh, come by the set tomorrow, just, you know, check it out, see how it's going. And he said, well, okay, yeah, come on by the set, but Hal won't be here. And they go, what? Well, if you're going to come by the set, Hal won't be here. <gasps> what? And they were just like, 
well, we're coming by the set. Well, Al won't be here. He Click. Didn't... What? No, that's that's what Jerry said to these people to keep them off the set. Oh. Yeah. I in was other like... words, if you show up, no work will get done. So make no, your choice. No, Al won't be there. He'll leave. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. That's Crazy. amazing. Yeah, that, but that kind of like, again, you got to work in that era that was so freewheeling and crazy but creative like you just said how kind of shut down filming to help an actor to get one of the most memorable scenes in an already great movie he knew that's where it what would get to, to. yeah yeah that, that must have been incredible it was incredible yeah absolutely and they added a scene for me because uh i guess they were feeling empathy for me when they were watching dailies and stuff and they said we can't just hear about him killing himself we've got to see it so they came up with this scene where I inject air into my arm. Oh, it's so oh good. I've, I've killed myself a couple times, shot myself in the mouth, jumped off a cliff in Hawaii. It's Ooh. fun. Have you ever done that in a movie or? <laughs> um. Yeah, but what's the song? Like, I feel like it's a quiet scene in the song. Oh, it was from the uh, from the Stones. Yeah. yeah. Sympathy for the Devil? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how Ashby, the soundtracks in his movies, I mean, Harold and Maude, it's all um, Cat Stevens, and it's so perfect and gorgeous. And also, it was that time um, where, because we watched, um, I showed her Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, which is a Scorsese film, and the 70s was that time when, especially the costumers, really seemed to think about what kind of money do these people make, so what can they actually afford to dress in? How would they... And, and Unlike today, where it's like a bunch of unemployed kids living in an apartment on the show Friends, and they're all like the hugest apartments. Yeah. Oh, you're like... Yeah, they're, no they're, one. they're all wearing Armani, and it's... So stupid. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember watching Blue Collar. It's a Paul Schrader film, and the characters re-wear certain T-shirts, like which is what you do when you don't have any money. You've got, yeah. I've got to make this last for the week. And that really was striking for me so like how what did you get to ever experience that kind of looseness in terms of you got to kind of create your own character pick out your clothes kind of build who you were going to be in the movie like that yes um that actually happened on um on nerds i picked out the clothes you picked out your clothes on nerds i did wow they, they had gone down to melrose and gotten a lot of uh clothes from that era from the 50s and and 60s and i just picked out the nerdiest stuff and uh, one of the things I did was I asked for size 13 hush puppies even though I wore <laughs> a 10 because I wanted my feet to look unnaturally large yeah oh my god that's so clever wow and didn't you walk in to your agent's office after the audition in the outfit yeah and Scott was like a reception was like no no sir I'm so sorry you were not allowed in there and yeah they didn't even know it. who I was yeah I remember you doing a local TV interview. You were promoting Revenge of the Nerds. I talked to you about this on the Cannonball set. But you did the interview promoting the movie in character as... As um, Lewis. As Lewis, where you were reacting to the, like, wait, am I on TV now? And then you got up to look at yourself in the monitor. Like, you're so... Exci- oh, I played it, was it, man. so funny. God, and you know, I went to New York to be on uh, Good Morning America. Mm-hmm. I was explaining to him oh. that, that the nerds had... Uh, clip-on ties because yeah. it was faster and easier. Is yours a clip-on? And I reached out and touched his tie and we cut the commercial. When they came back, I was gone. What? Damn. He was really uptight. Damn. Wow. We got some badass actors here today, ladies and gentlemen. It's too crazy. We're going to take a break and we'll come right back. Oh, Also, before we leave today, uh, Karen Costa yeah. wants me to um, accept her friend thing. 
on Facebook. Uh-huh. Can you help me with that? Sure. Because I don't know how to do it. We are back with uh, the fabulous Robert Carradine and Ever Carradine. Ever Carradine. And they are uh, talking about things in life like Facebook. Honey, Facebook. Like Regular. the dad is like to the daughter, can you help me figure out how to use Facebook? Well, we're also hearing these amazing stories about Robert and, and Ever's careers, but how they tie into like kind of life lessons that you learn from being in movies, being doing creative stuff. Now, Ever, you were on, you were in The Long Riders, your first movie. Were there other sets that you would visit where he was working on? Were there every set? Like, really? Literally? literally well, pretty I much. Was, well, because I raised Ever I was by raised myself. Raised by my dad. So, so you know, I I couldn't just leave her at home. I had to bring her. So, were you? Did you go to the coming home set? Did you go? Coming to th- home, I was. An, two, I was a ta- I was two. Right? right. You were twenty-two. Yeah, you were two. Yeah. I was too little. But uh-huh. no, I went everywhere else. I went wow. everywhere else, and I, if I wasn't on set with you, like I remember once I met school and I, it's a, it's late, and then after school care happens and no one's there to pick me up, and then a van comes up and the window rolls down, and he goes, "Hey, I'm Tony. I'm working with your dad. Get in the van. I'm supposed <laughs> to take you home with me." Uh, and I was like, "Okay, okay. let me grab my." Cut to 30 years later. You were locked in a cat closet <laughs> in the bottom of his basement. No, 30 years did, later. Did, did you put the lotion back in the basket after you put it on your skin? Okay, 30 years later. 30 years later, I'm on a show called Lucky with John Corbett and yep. Greg Robinson. And I walk in on my first day and I'm at craft service. And lo and behold, <gasps> ever, it's Tony. Oh, my God. Get Tony Macario, remember? That's who picked you up in the van? Yes, and oh Tony did props on Lucky, and he took such good care okay, of me to tell. I have to tell a Tony Macario story about props. We're on that movie Wavelength, and he was the prop master. Mm-hmm. And he goes up to the director with his script. He says, Mike, um, it says that, I'm, that, that the, the NSA <laughs> guys are searching the car with a vengeance. I can't find a vengeance anywhere. <laughs> Oh, oh my no. god! That's good, isn't it? That's oh. really wow. good. That's so he re- Oh god! <laughs> I, searching with a vengeance. Oh my god! The sweetest guy. The sweetest yeah, guy. really. Sweet. I mean, he'll go pick up your daughter yeah. in a van. Yeah, yeah. Get in the van. Your Get, dad said yeah. to bring you home with me. Oh, oh my like, god! Okay. Actually, you know, I have a picture of you on the set of Massacre at Central High. Oh god! Oh whoa! You. That's right, Massacre at Central High. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. No, that that was the first set I remember having you on. I mean, you were I, really little. I was, but also like Revenge of the Nerds. You guys, why did you have a honey wagon? Remember, you and Tony, Anthony we, Edwards were sharing like a double, like a single, like a really crappy trailer. And I remember just no, sitting. No, we were in, there. in a honey wagon with. It the, was a honey wagon, and the you opened meat lockers the thing. in a row. Yeah, yeah, and I would wow. just sit there. You're I was like, like ten years old with my books, watching them put their weird nerd outfits on. And ever did uh, some video on the set, and that tape. Oh, like Still a behind-the-scenes kind yes. of thing? Oh, I'd love Where to see it? that. I would love to see it. It's I, in my stuff somewhere. Oh, good. I remember I, I read I watched a documentary about oh, the, the making of... the name of the tape, Burden of Nerds. Burden? <laughs> oh, That's like nice. a murder of crows. Well, no, it, it's like the um the, the Les Blank documentary, The Burden of Dreams. Yeah, Very yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Nice. Okay, so um, anyway. But also like a gaggle of geese, a murder of crows, a... No? They're making a... <laughs> it's, it's a Les Blank reference. Oh, okay. But. I didn't know. Um, I, I watched a documentary about the making of Animal House, and they said that th- without planning it, the Omegas and the Deltas 
the actors playing them kind of ended up being in separate camps because they kind of got into their characters. So did that happen on the set? Like did Tim McGinley and his crew and then you and Absolutely. you all kind of became, oh, no. yeah. And didn't but hang I, out? Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. On the weekends, it was a free-for-all. <laughs> I mean, everybody was hanging out. Plus, there's another film on location about the Border Patrol with uh, Treat Williams and uh, uh, Chris Christopherson. And, <gasps> I love him. And we were all just hanging out. And were there we was, in Phoenix? There was Where a, were we? We were in Tucson. Tucson. There, there was, um, it was some serious partying. I would imagine. Yeah. The 80s? Yeah. Yeah. Also, if Christopherson's around. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that dude. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. all liver. <laughs> he can take it. <laughs> dude is all liver. I did a movie with him. That dude is grizzled. You did a movie with Chris Christopherson? He kills me. What? Yeah, uh, I did. Uh, well, not him kills me, but uh, it's Blade Three, and we're going up against Dracula, and Dracula can change his shape. So he changes the shape into... Chris Christopherson, who's a plays a guy whistler who I work with. I'm his tech guy, and that's how he gets up behind me and kills me. So you actually worked with him? Oh yeah. Oh my god. I didn't say I didn't say a peep to him. I didn't. There, there was so many things I wanted to ask him. I didn't make a peep. If I had started talking to him, it'd be like the way that I'm browbeating poor yeah. Robert. Right? I was no, like, No, it's good. Yeah, could you please get this Oswald kid away from me? Like, <laughs> I don't want to talk about uh, Janis Joplin no more to him. All right. I don't... Now you also got to work. And this this is what this is the one that kills me the most. This is this is what a film nerd I am. Scorsese and and Hal Ashby. John Carpenter. Well, me you too, got, me both too, got to work with too. John Carpenter. What what? But no, the one that blows me away, you got to work with Paul Bartell. Who's that? Oh yeah. Paul Bartell oh. is this great. He was kind of out of the Roger, Roger Corman school. Yep. And he was just this guy that everyone kind of loved. And in the movie that you're in that he made, it's Cannonball. Yep, Cannonball. Which features a scene. Here's how beloved Paul Bartel was. It was like, just friends, come and do the movie. So it's you and your brother yeah. are in it. There's a scene, Martin Scorsese and Sylvester Stallone play mafiosos. They're the guys betting on this race. It's an early version of the Cannonball Run. And they're eating Kentucky Fried Chicken. And I think the whole scene is improvised. Yes. But it's Scorsese and Stallone eating KFC and talking about the, it's the most bizarre but only Paul Bartell was friends with enough people to go Sly Marty come just do this once and you're like alright fine yeah, just yeah give chicken. me a bucket of chicken <laughs> ah, fine I'll do it it's Paul we I love him I must em. see there's so many movies of yours I need to oh. see now I want to see that movie I never saw that oh Cannonball's amazing The Long Riders is amazing um, I can't believe you've never seen Coming Home that movie's wait, wait. insane. No, I think I've seen parts of Coming Home. Jane no, not Fonda. Parts. You got to see the whole movie. Oh, the, wait, I mean, you know what I'm thinking of? Brian's song. No, that's the way no, different. We, we smoke it. Yeah, oh yeah. No, <laughs> I need to see that. Yeah. I need to see that. I like a good. Yeah. You know, we're stuck in. I, I love but all now, those movies. But now, but ever when you started working, and when you started working, you st you're also your IMDb is crazy. You work all. The time. Literally nonstop. It's ridiculous. She's done like 97 pilots it, and a million insane. different. But when I started, I, you know, I, I wanted to do really serious stuff. And mm -hmm. that was sort of where my heart was. And then I kept booking sitcoms. Comedies. Like, I Because <laughs> you're funny as shit. I got yeah. a development deal for my own. Like, that was like, it was it was so confusing to but me. But the last. Like, what is happening? Yeah. What am I doing wrong? Oh, doing but but right. the last, like, five years, it's been super, super drama stuff. Like, yes. the comedy stuff was, like, in your 20s, I feel mm -hmm. like. And then you really, like, the last, how long, like, you've been doing some major dramatic work in the last five years, not so much comedy. I can't even, COVID, I don't even remember, but yes, it's been probably the last five or ten years. Yeah. But my whole 20s was sitcoms. And you were so cute. You were always in, like, the weird, you were always, you like always played, like, dummy. the quirkiest, 
dumb blonde. And you know, I got to tell you what I loved you in was Veronica's Closet. I know. Oh, you know, yeah. I was only supposed to do one episode. You were so good in and that. And I did my, you know, back then when it was like, you could, they just picked you up for more. And yeah. you just kept, and I'm so indebted to Marta Kaufman and really to Kirstie Alley, who was like, this person needs her own television show. Aww. And from that, I got a big deal from NBC and I did the whole season and that I learned so much on that show. That was one of the few uh, sets I've been on of Evers. Did you come really? to taping? Yeah. Yeah. To which wow. one? To Veronica's Closet. Oh, we yeah. were at Warner Brothers right across from the friend set. That was fun. And I remember we were at craft service and Kirstie Alley walks up and she's looking at craft service. She goes, God, I can't stop eating. <laughs> Well, you know what she used to do? They were trying to get her to lose weight, and all the craft service, it had, like, the caloric uh, intake of each thing, each basket. So, so they she... put that out to try to, like, give her a little freedom to pick what she wanted, and she would come in, and she would swap all <laughs> the caloric hilarious. things from the healthy to the Why not? other stuff. Yeah, I worked with Kirsty on Village of the Dam that That's John Carpenter right. directed that Karen, your dear friend, was on. Right. And, uh, she, and I, friend? she and I became very... Um, close during the movie and I remember I wrapped like a week before she did um, and then I went home and then she flew me back on like a private plane to back to uh, for the for the wrap party she's like you have to come back and I stayed with her in her house and she had two little kids at the time true and uh, I can't remember her daughter's name right now but um, they had a little like a little crib like a a small bed type thing and I slept in the little small bed. No, I took a picture in the little bed, but I ended up sleeping in bed with her. We had like a little pillow between us. It wasn't like that, people. Mm -hmm. Don't try and be like that, people. It, but it's yeah, not that it there's was, anything wrong with that. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> it just it, I just love how, and, and this happens to everyone in showbiz. I hate to use the term showbiz. There's no better way to describe it. Where like Ever was saying, I want to do serious, dramatic stuff. And your career has kind of its own plans for you for a while. And it's, 100%. but it ends up being way more interesting. But don't you think, and like, here's where, like, bringing it back to what you're talking about, like, growing up and having my grandfather do this and my uncles and my mm -hmm. dad, like, I've always thought of the work as the work, and I don't yep. think that the actors are any more important, and I'm not saying that to be, like, whatever, but I just say yes. Like, when you grow up in a family where everybody is an actor, when you're on set, like, nobody, and I'm not trying to sound humble, like, nobody's work is more important. I'm just as important as every crew member, and I think that when you get an opportunity to do a job, you say yes, unless it's, like, you know— you're morally opposed to it, go to work. What do you have to lose? Like, just to, to be on set. I'm like the person also on every movie who's like, you guys were making a movie. Like, even <laughs> just now I did a movie last year in New Orleans with all these kids, and I was like, you guys, like, we're here. We're on set because I know how freaking hard it is to yeah. just get from, like, a blank piece of paper to a script to a studio to location to a cat. Like, it's amazing. Yes, yeah. but everything now is so immediate that people are like, no, no, I don't feel like doing that. I don't want to go to New Orleans. And I'm like, oh, my God, just say yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, and exactly. also... Just say yes. And the life of an actor... Just say yes. Say yes. That's say a yes. T-shirt. Just say yes. It's also, like, the life of an actor, too. I mean, there have been times, you know, you star in a movie and then you... Ha don't do anything for three months and you're freaking out and then you get another movie and that's amazing and then you don't work for, you know, six months and you're like, holy shit, what's going to happen? You get it. It's always up and down and you never really know what's going to happen. Yeah. But to the just say yes thing, I did get offered a movie once and I hadn't worked in a while and I definitely needed to work. Um, and they were definitely offering me a lot of money and I was so tempted to do it because I needed to work and I needed the money. 
but it was a Bigfoot movie with Danny Bonaducci. Oh my God, I remember that. And, <laughs> and I was I, like, you don't have to do it. It's going to be fine. And I was like, oh God, I really need to work. And no, I'm he's like, such oh. a charming young man. I just couldn't do it. Uh-huh. I just couldn't. I, there's a, you know, I, I've never done nudity. And, and then there's also some movies that I just, I'm like, oh, well, that's the other thing you learn growing up in this family. Save your money so that you can exactly. say no right. when you want to. That's, so that so, way you don't have to do something that you don't want to do. That's true. And then, of course, you know, when you have best friend like you who has two cute little kids, I'm like, hey, I'll babysit. <laughs> <laughs> do you need me to babysit? <laughs> so, but, but then there's also, on the other hand of that, there's part of me that if I had been in your position, and I also probably would have turned it down, but part of my brain would go, the stories I'm going to get out of this. 100%. Like, to a Bigfoot movie with Danny Bonaduce. Yeah, but dude, God knows. Patton, That's you are good. a comedian. Right. And it would be okay if you did it, but if I did it, it would change the trajectory of how I feel about my career, and I just... Unless you were a raconteur about it on talk shows or podcasts, and then that took you in an even better direction. The problem is you can be a raconteur and be funny about it, and... But then the perception, you know, there is perception too. Mm-hmm. But, I guess, yeah. You know, you do have I to kind of maintain. Although, you know, James Franco kind of broke that mold a little bit where <laughs> where he, um, he, I did a, a series, I did a, a show called Hollywood Heights. We did 80 episodes. And it was basically like a Gossip Girl, but like uh, the soap opera version was like we filmed an episode every day. And he was in it. And I said yes to doing the show because he was in it. I'm like, Wait, oh. James Franco was on Hollywood Heights? Yes. <laughs> every episode? He wasn't in every episode, but he was in quite a very large chunk. I think he was doing it as, look at me, I'm so weird. I can do all these different things. Well, he did soap operas for a while, too, in that same vein. Like, look at me, I'm on Young and the Restless. Like, as a joke. Yeah. Like, as for fun. Yeah, but as an established actor. Like, he oh, was yeah, already yeah. fully... Oh, 100%. Yeah. And when I got offered the show... They're like, it's this thing, and James Franco's in it. I was like, oh, yeah, totally, I'll do that. <laughs> but but I was doing it, like, for real, and I think he was doing it like, look at me, I'm being so funny, I'm doing this kind of a kind of a show. But also, you never know what is going to end up being immortal. Um, later this week, uh, Meredith and I are having a couple of young friends over that we're showing movies to that, that they're, Gen, they're Gen Z people yep. that have, we showed them Goodfellas for the first time. They'd never seen wow. it. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. We're going to show them Ed Wood. Um, which they've never seen. Ed Wood is this classic example of, here's this guy, Bela Lugosi, who took Hollywood by storm in the 30s with Dracula, creates an icon. Things don't go so well in the 50s and late 50s, and his last movie where, he, where he's just like, what, have, what has become of me? Why am I doing this? And that is even more, Plan 9 from Outer Space has probably been viewed more than Dracula has. You just don't know what will end up entering into the zeitgeist and what you'll be remembered for. It's kind of amazing that way. Well, you Nerds. also don't know. Nerds. Like, yeah. Don't you ever do something and you're like, that was amazing. And then you see it and you're like, oh my God, this is so bad. I, like, oh it felt God. so good oh. when we were doing it. And then it just doesn't work. And then sometimes those things that you don't even think about. Yeah. Giant. I mean, your 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 dad was in a movie called The Last Tycoon, directed by Elia Kazan. Oh my God, literally you've worked with the most important people on no, Earth. Uh, no, 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 I mean your dad, Robert. My dad. Your oh, dad. You're, well, still. But, Jesus. but in a movie with Elia Kazan starring Robert De Niro and Jack Nicholson, the only movie they made together, and no one knows about it because it just doesn't work. And you're like, they've got these two guys. How is this not right. working? And it just didn't work. Yeah. You don't yeah, know. You it's don't know. amazing. You do not know. It's I love amazing. I love that aspect of this business. You don't know. Nope. 
Yeah. I mean, if you knew, everything would be a hit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and it would be boring. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Yeah. How do you think the people that were in movies like Donnie Darko and Office Space, like they come out, they completely eat shit, and then a year later, there's literally a cult around. They're like, yeah. what is happening? Like the Swing Line Stapler Company had to come out with a red stapler Seriously? because of Office Space. Red they stapler. painted a stapler red. Oh, stapler. Red they, stapler. they said I would have my I red need, stapler. You have a red microwave. I do. You need a red stapler. And you have you red know, boots. Uh, and I have red rainbows. <laughs> Massacre at Central High has a cult following. Oh, absolutely. That movie, which, by the way, absolutely could not get made today. No. Where no they, the spree killer is the hero. Yeah. Like the kid killing the popular kid that's about That's the well, hero it's, of the it's movie. Like, it's what? Like, it's like Dexter somehow. Yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, my. Yes. It is. It's Dexter before Dexter. Yeah. Did you see Tag? The assassination game? Yes. yes. No, I'm like, that's the only other human being on earth who's Nick probably Castle. seen Tag. Nick, yes, Nick Castle. Linda Hamilton. Linda Hamilton. And um, who's the DJ that's in that? The, oh, he, Fraser Smith. Fraser Smith. Who was a real DJ. He was a real DJ at the time, yeah. 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 Oh, my God. I know, man. That movie, oh, my God. Also could not be made today. Absolutely not? could not be made today. Why not? Because it's still, like... It, it, it kind of romanticizes the, the campus oh, killer type oh, of thing. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and also, it, it's about they play a game on a college campus where you try to kill each other with, with little pop uh, dark guns, guns. Dark guns, yeah. which look like real guns. You're like, well, can't have that now. Nope, that's over. Yeah. But yeah. then, of course, there was that show Squid Game where everybody's killing everybody. I mean, people kill people in movies. It's it's And listen, there's <laughs> there's there's so many freaking school shootings that it's like there's not as many movies that yeah. have done that. There's it's The reality is... Yeah, uh, anyway, it, that's Well, it's too weird sad. how that, mo- that show Squid Game is, oh, what a bleak vision of the future. And then two days ago, there's video online of these teachers. Oh, that they did video. That where they had the big pile of $1 bills, and they had a minute to scoop up as many as they could to pay for their classroom supplies. And it was like, oh. tele- oh, like filmed like, God. isn't this hilarious? Were they on an ice skating rink, too? It or was, did it just look like that? Oh it was God. so huge. And it was done like... Isn't this a great thing we're doing Ugh. for these teachers? And it's fun oh. for the community. It's like, this is the most dehumanizing. And sad, also, it's man. just a common in society. We don't fund our schools. We don't give teachers yeah. what they need. This is so pathetic. We have the worst oh. country. I'm so sad right it, now. Praise be. <laughs> under praise, his praise eye. Praise be under his <laughs> eye. Praise be under his eye. Oh, God. Um, Ever Carradine. Yes. Um, when this is not about movies. This is about real life. I'm oh. Gonna, I'm going to ask you a real serious question Ooh, right now. Oh, great. Do you want what? us to leave? <laughs> <laughs> if you could be any tree. <laughs> should we FaceTime? Um, I mean, yeah, that's true. Literally, oh, we should do your segment over FaceTime. I talk all the time. I, ever said it, but every time Patton walks in our bedroom, I'm on the phone with Ever. I'm like, you're, she's like your second wife. It's hilarious, <laughs> yeah. She's there. Um, when you and I became friends when I was 28, and then I married Patton and met him when I was 47... So you knew me through 20 years of singledom. And um, what were your thoughts about Mr. Patton Oswalt <laughs> being my husband and uh, the trajectory of my single life up until, like, you well, helped me through Patton, my whole let's, life? Let's, let's take a walk. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, here's the conversation we always had, which is like, where is he? What's he doing right now? Not knowing it was, like, whoever this person who's going to get Where's you, my who's guy? so incredible. Who, where is he? And then when you guys had your first date, it was so hot out. Remember that? And <laughs> yeah. you wanted yeah. to wear that. I was like, don't wear the babushka skirt. No, you said, <laughs> no, I used to wear this skirt from Old Navy 
every single day. And Old Navy is Meredith's mothership, by the way. Is, she, is if Old they Navy sold, one of the sponsors of the show? No, they should they be. Should be. The amount of money Because I talk about yeah. them all the time. If they sold food, that's the only place she would shop. <laughs> <laughs> well, they come out with meatballs that she'll never leave the store. But I used to wear this, like, raggedy skirt all the time because it was comfortable. And I like, you know, I wear flip-flops and comfy skirts and a t-shirt and... When I was going on my first date with Patton, she's like, you better not wear that muchacha skirt. Like, get that skirt off. And then she dressed me. I dressed you, but I feel like you called me right as you were leaving and you were like, are you sure? It's really hot out. Yeah, because And I- I'll be sitting down, so he probably won't see the skirt anyway. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> she, she won't. La- even last night, I was going to a premiere last night. Oh my and God. she's like, you have to wear this. And I was like, I, I'm wearing these open toe shoes. She's like, well, you better get a pedicure. I'm like, do I have to? You're like, yes, Meredith, yes. you have to. Do your nails or stay home. Anyway, she has dressed me for many a thing and guided me through my life and literally is like the most important per- and I think and even at our wedding you were like and thank you ever for taking like watching over this girl that I now get to watch over but it's it's the best um she is the best friend slash guru slash uh, personal shopper um <laughs> kind of uh, uh fashion icon that you can I mean there, we I I remember we, we did it on an earlier podcast where you <laughs> bought these janky shoes for her Oh, no, 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 it was her birthday, I didn't buy her janky shoes, she wanted these, you thought you were getting good shoes, we thought, she wanted these super cruel Air Jordans, yes, and, and she sent me a link, and she's like, I've looked everywhere, they're like $500 ever, but I found a link where they're like 150 bucks, yeah, and I was like, let me get that free for your birthday, right, and so I bought it, but it was from a totally fake website, they like came, um, in plastic, so so they were hideous, skeezy I mean, looking, and again, one of those. No, they places looked that, good from afar. Well, but when you looked up close, they were clearly fake Nikes. But then you posted a picture of ever wearing them, and you're doing the whole like, Ugh. she's wearing. But she still looks little, fantastic. Well, like it doesn't matter what she puts on. She's in a little red bikini and these <laughs> shoes, and swear to God, you're you have the anyway. She's the hottest thing ever. But it, it, she has the the uh, um, Mahershala Ali thing where certain clothes that look good on her, you're like. But before you run out and buy that for yourself, just just keep in mind that it be, she's wearing it. It's probably not going to look like it on looks you. good on her. Doesn't necessarily mean it's yeah. Like look Mahershala good on would wear these suits in the first season of uh, the Luke Cage show that were so amazing. And I'm like, hey, I'm thinking. I went to that place uh, Epstein and Klein where I get suits, and I was bringing him pictures of that. And the guy openly said to me. It looks good because he's wearing it. Oh you will God. not look good in this. Don't That's get that suit. That's such a good guy. I'm so glad he did that. Yeah. He didn't just sell you a suit. Like, he, that makes like, me really happy. It, the fact that he, Mahersh is one of the most handsome on the planet, and his face is literally shaped to make suits look good, <laughs> and, and most people don't have that face, so don't bother. But also, he's really tall and long-legged. Yes. Yeah, and... Patton is tiny, and he's yeah. like a little gnome. Yeah, I have to, any suit that I buy, I put it on a fire hydrant first. And if it looks good on the fire hydrant, <laughs> it's going to look great on me. So, um, But ever, yes, I know you were very happy when I met Patton because he's pretty spectacular. I was so happy when you met Patton and when I met Alice and Aww. the whole shebang. You guys yeah. are my family and and did you tell, did you, I, I was trying to buy this house. Remember this? Yeah, yeah. It's like two weeks ago, Patton. Did you know we oh, were that, trying to buy a house? Yeah. And I, my real, we really loved this house. And so my realtor was like, you got to write a letter. So I wrote this <laughs> love letter to the house, right? And then I included a paragraph. And I was like, also, like, I'm only allowed to move within a quarter mile radius of my best friend. So oh. this house actually fits the bill because it was literally, I mean, I don't know if it's closer than where we are now, but it was about the same. Ever and I live literally 
Yeah. One mile from each other. It takes three minutes a drive because it's on a mountain yeah. road. But um, And to tell you how deep their friendship is, the one trip that Meredith took during COVID <laughs> where she risked getting the disease I was, was home to for drive two... out to... Wait, no. What? I was literally home for two years doing yeah. this is absolutely funny. nothing. Right. And I'm like, I don't want to get on a plane. I'm afraid to do this. I'm afraid to do that. I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then ever... Um, I invited at, you to Sun Valley, Idaho. Was in Sun Valley for like yeah. four weeks or f- six weeks. And she's like, come up. And the only trip I took was just to go to her house there for two days. Was to go visit <laughs> a friend who she sees every day and lives a minute away from her. That's what she rolled the dice on COVID for. It was the, like, wow. That, that is was, really funny. That's friendship. Yeah. That, was, that, that is friendship funny. right there. That's really sweet. And also, I feel like the house that, uh, we, I've spoken about this, the house that, ever lives in is an enchanted fairy cottage uh, with, I think, has magical properties because it is it is bigger on the inside than it looks on the outside. It's a tiny little house. That's why she has to move. But it's a magical cottage. But I feel like when when that house sells, they will take pictures of She knows, Erin knows how to decorate her house in ways that professional decorators can't nail. Right. Where she can use nice objects, but also common objects that you wouldn't think to put that, that make the room perfect. That anyway. You wouldn't na- and I, you know what it reminds me of? Um, Wait, it's not just us who love Ever. You literally had plans with my mom the other day. My mom, Dottie, calls me up. First of all, my mom refers to Ever as, oh, that Ever. She calls <laughs> Ever that Ever constantly. That was the name of your pilot deal, right? Yeah, that, that Ever. That was going to be your, that oh Ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that'd be amazing. But the other day, my mom called me up, and she's like, Meredith, my friend Brenda has these lovely tablecloths. And because she was at Thanksgiving at your house with you, Robert, where I hoped you would flirt. And um, she's Unbelievable. like, she's giving away these beautiful <laughs> tablecloths, and that ever would just love these tablecloths. So anyway, I couldn't go, so Ever and my mom had like a, a day together. Aww. We did. We had a play date, me and Dottie. I wrote her a thank you note today. I know. Oh, gosh. Meredith, do you have a picture of your mom? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I want to see. She's prettier than me, and uh, she's she's very she's nicer than me. She's, she's very, not as smart as I am. She's very bubbly. <laughs> she's very bubbly. Polka she's dot. bubbly. Robert, do you like dumb and hot? Because boy, do we have. Mommy, body. mommy, Sorry. if you're listening, which I know you're no. not. Yeah. Um, no, no, Dottie, When I like, I apologize for saying dumb and hot. You are smoking hot. All right, so. Um, Ever's really quickly. Ever's decorating style has the same quality. You have a friend who lives in Chicago who does these amazing metal sculptures, and I remember we visited her studio, and she an really, artist. She's an artist. artist, and so she's decorating the inside. And on one of the shelves, with all these other interesting little visual items, the other visual items, by the way, are skeletons of animals, but all, and also that, little pieces that she had bought that she knew in her mind. Oh, if I her arrange name is Jessica these, Jocelyn. Yeah. If you want to look her up online, she's yeah. a trippy artist. But one of the items on the shelf, and I've never forgotten this, was a box of Kleenex, but it was designed to look like Chewbacca. It was one of those things you'd see at like a drugstore, like, oh, Star Wars. <laughs> so here's all these Star Wars things that looks like. But in her mind's eye, she's like, this one thing out of its context and in the context of my shelf will actually link and work together, which that is the 
key, I think, to being a good decorator is knowing, oh, picking from the high and the Patton. low and knowing goes together perfectly and that's what Ever's able to do. Is uh, it bad that I just want to make a Hachubaka joke? <laughs> <laughs> Hachubaka. Oh my gosh, that is hilarious. Yeah. She's funnier than you. Um, No, Ow. I think that, I think if you buy what you love, it all works. Yes. Robert, you and Ever are a very cute family. I love it. Mm -hmm. I got a story about Martha and Ever, when Martha first came out from New York. He's talking about Martha Plimpton, Martha the Plimpton, actress. my niece. Uh, she came out to visit, and we went to my brother Keith's house, where Martha He's was talking staying. about Keith Carradine, the actor Keith Carradine. Yes. <laughs> and uh, they're out by the pool. The you pool. Know? He's Martha, talking about a swimming pool? It's a, uh, <laughs> yes, it's, it's a, a pool it's of a, water where you swim. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I didn't really get that Martha was from New York. She just seemed like normal and sounded normal oh and my everything. gosh she's such a new yorker oh and boy out of the blue i hear this hey eva come over here <laughs> i was like oh yeah she's from new york <laughs> i just wanted to throw she's that so out. from new york that when we were 15 years old we went to a restaurant and it was just the two of us and we were 15 year olds and we're sitting at a little cafe and the waitress comes up and she's like can i take your order and martha says um what would you recommend, the turkey sandwich or the tuna sandwich? And the lady looks at her and goes, well, I don't really know what you're in the mood for. And she go, and Martha looks at the lady and goes, does the word tip mean anything to you? She was, she was 15. I almost died. I was like, oh, my God, I can't. That's too funny. She is ballsy. That is very she, New York. She's ballsy yeah. to the wallsy, that one. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break, come back, do some pics, and then we're going to say goodbye. Oh, and no. maybe they'll have some pics, too. Yeah, maybe they will. We'll be right back. Inspire stuff. Okay. Yay. Bye. We're back with Ever Carradine and Robert Carradine, and Patton has uh, a question for them. Uh, no, I was going to do some picks. Oh, he was going to have some picks. Now it's time for Did You Get Our Picks? Yeah, tell you what we like, what we really, really like. Yeah, tell me what you like, what you really, really like. <laughs> hey, guys, our picks are recommendations oh. of things that we read and or What are we into seen. right now? What are you into right now? Movies. Yeah, like what, which oh, yeah, one? Is there a movie that really blew My you away? My dad has seen yes. any movie ever. Yes. Oh, that's right. He's a huge film buff. Do you have okay. a movie recommendation that our what listeners have you just seen? Like? Yes, right now I have a movie recommendation for a piece of art <gasps> Ooh, what? called West Side Story. Oh, you saw it. The new Spielberg wow. one? Yeah. I had no idea that this gentleman could direct a musical, either did anybody else. Wow. He killed it. That's and amazing. The cast kills it. Um, when was the last time you went to a musical and it moved you to tears? Really? Really. Wow. It's not good. Hamilton? <laughs> That's not a movie, though. Um, Rita Moreno is in that movie. She and was. she's great in it. And well, she's great in everything. I just did a movie with her. That was the most recent movie I just did was uh, starring with Rita Moreno. Rita Moreno, who cheated she's on Marlon Brando EGOT. with Elvis just to make Marlon jealous and then realized Elvis was a dud in the sack and it backfired on her. That's the kind of life she lived. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. She was like... She, just yeah. a spitfire. She's and like amazing. the me of that generation. <laughs> <laughs> um, Let's hear some of your picks, Pat. Well, Tun. one of my picks is something that... Uh, Meredith and I saw last night. And by the time this comes out, this will have already come out. Oh my gosh. But we're still not going to give you any spoilers. We went to the Spider-Man premiere last night. It was the greatest movie ever. Spider-Man, No Way Home. Uh, Tom Holland, Zendaya. And and let's... And we're going to leave it at that there because are, there are many other people. I love Zendaya. She's yeah. a cutie. She's but, great. but the way they do... 
beyond it being nerdy fan service, there's a lot of genuine oh my god moments. It literally. But they made each of them emotional and human. And there's a moment that yes, it's a bit of nerdy fan service, but it, the theater gasped and kind of choked up a little bit. The thing about the audience in the theater was that there were so many moments that were like, hell yeah, no way! Oh my and people God! people were screaming, and then there were collective moments of crying, and you could yeah. hear people cry. It was so, it was such a um, participatory don't, audience. And don't you think that's what we've all, like, not to talk about COVID, but, like, that's the experience yes. that I miss yes. so much is yes. a collective emotional experience yes. with strangers. Yes. 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 That, uh, not, not to interrupt, but uh, Please interrupt. West Side Story, people were clapping after the numbers. Wow. Wow. Like they were in the theater. Oh, what that feels great. What theater did you see it in? Where did you go? Because we uh, came for the Grove. I saw it at the Grove. Oh, oh nice. Okay. In, at the beginning of Temple of Doom, there's a pretty brilliant musical sequence that he directed so he it's always been in him he could do it right but also he Spielberg I feel like he could if he wanted to do anything he could nail it he so does he, well, yeah. plus you know he hires the best people well yes so his choreographer yeah uh, Dudamel the conductor wait a minute Gustavo Dudamel conducted the, the yes. music he does yes. the LA Philharmonic I yes. love him <laughs> wait a minute yeah. oh yeah. my god how about that that's insane okay yeah. okay hey Patton do you have more picks Yes, the only other, well, I have one more pick. Um, this is a bit of a, uh, that's not a brag. He sends this out to everyone. Every year, Edgar Wright puts together his uh, top 50 songs Edgar of the year. Wright directed Baby Driver and, and uh, Last Night new, in Soho. Yeah, and British um, director, Shaun, Shaun of the, of the Dead. Dead. And, yeah. Yeah. and he's a huge music fan, way bigger than even I am. And every year, he puts together his Spotify uh, top 50 songs of 2021, and it is a great way to go over the year and see not only what landed, but stuff that you miss, because yeah. this guy listens to everything, and I've only listened to the first maybe third of this list, and already I'm a fan of bands like Self-Esteem, Wet Leg, and Never. King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. What? And what? he finds these groups, and they're so freaking good. Also on the list is Adele and Taylor Swift and the opening song from the movie Annette, the Spark song, uh -huh. um, Shall We Begin? May We Begin? So, he he um, didn't pick Billie Eilish with the James Bond song? He didn't. There's a Billie Eilish song on it, but it's not the James Bond one. You know, there's another list on Spotify that just came out. Um, that I want all of our listeners to listen to because as the holidays are coming, mm -hmm. like I said earlier in the podcast, mm -hmm. my dear friend and uh, Robert's son-in-law and Ever's husband, Kobe Brown, yes, wrote a song called Merry January. You can see the video uh. on YouTube. But it's it's literally the greatest new Christmas song. What he ever calls it, an, oh, no, you call it an earworm. No, I call it an earworm term. Oh, you, everyone. It's an well, earworm. Kobe's not allowed to play it anymore in the house. Because you can it's, just sing it so over. I good. can't. I it, love it, but it's an earworm. It's one of, But that's what makes a hit song, a song that you just can sing and it just comes to you. Yes. So, but the best thing is you're, he made this amazing Spotify playlist. I think the playlist is called Merry January. I'm not quite sure. But um, he lists all the best Christmas songs that yeah. you want to play. Oh, Kobe did a playlist. Yes. On, it takes me a minute. I got Did you, you not know this? <laughs> did you not know this? No. It's the best Christmas playlist. Oh, good. Um, it has, you know, the Charlie Brown thing, and yeah. it's got all the other, like, perfect, great, amazing Christmas songs and vibes. But it also has his new song, and I love the new song so much. So that's my huge recommendation right now. And the song did is also in that rare... Um... Did I see the video? Dude, you star in the video as Drunk Santa, and it's the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life, and you're so good in it. <laughs> Wait a minute. Paul Bartell, stock company actor Robert Carradine, is in this video? <laughs> yes. Yes. It's amazing. 
and that's my it's my first job since COVID. Yeah. Wow. But it's a ama- it's a great video. So the motel suddenly last summer and uh, Mary January. Yeah. That's right. There you go. I love it. And I, then I, I just, think I love the fact that it's in that rare category of songs where it is ridiculously catchy and ridiculously upbeat. But if you listen to the lyrics, it is so. Nasty and bitter and hilarious about Christmas. <laughs> about Christmas. I love Ever, songs that us, get away with that stuff. Tell us a little what the song. You want to say what the song's about a little bit? Oh no, the song is just about that. It's time for your kids to go back to school now. <laughs> like we've done it all, and he doesn't mean to be a Scrooge, but it's yeah. time. What's the? I can't think of the. the I verse. ain't no Ebenezer um, Scrooge. But about your log of Yule. You're, somebody, I just, yeah. You can have your log of Yule. I just want my kids in school (laughs) and then I think Ever and I both have a TV recommendation which is Succession if you haven't seen Succession oh yeah did you guys already talk Get Back not yet because we want to watch it with our daughter I I forgot about that one that's my rec yeah Get get Back with the Beatles oh my god I can't wait cannot wait Ever and Robert Bobby thank thank you you so much for coming on our show today you guys are the best well thank you for the invitation thank you for being your first guest I'm a fan of both of you yeah. Thanks for going down all those really side hours with me, by the way. You, yeah. you two were so gracious. I'm such a fan, so thank you. Um, Seriously. Out of sight. Out of so yeah. thanks, guys, for listening, and we will be back next Tuesday. And I don't know, maybe I'll bring Ever again because she's my best friend. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. Oh, baby. <laughs> this podcast is a production of Meredith Salinger and Patton Oswalt. In association with Starburns Audio. Executive producers are Cliff Dorfman and Jason Smith. And if you have questions for us, send them to... Hey, did you get my text? At gmail.com. And don't forget, subscribe to this podcast. It's free, and it helps us get to keep making the show. A podcast network.